something, someone, or something everyone stands around and stares at, like an accident in the street. We are the Messiah's misfits. But here's Paul, and you can imagine Paul who's socially acceptable as a, as a Jew. Paul has a capacity as a leader. Paul in Acts 9 turns his life around. Jesus appears to him and suddenly begins to follow Jesus. He begins to proclaim the name of Jesus in such a way 
collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So here's the idea. When they get to Jericho, it's a walled city, it means there's huge walls all the way around the outside of the city. And God's going to give them the city. God's already said he's going to do it. And yet, the way to accomplish the mission, the way to fulfill what God's called them to, is not to go in in some kind of military invasion and set the walls on fire. That's what we would do. Right? We'd be like, let's go! You know? Or let's get, you know, try to be sneaky and find a way to sneak in the front gate or something like that. And yet God has a plan where only God gets the glory and he makes his people look like misfits and weirdos. He says, alright, I want you to walk around, walk around the wall. Walk around the wall. And on the last day, you've got to walk around it seven times. That's a long walk around the city, seven times. And on the last time, I want you to blow trumpets and scream. <laughs> I mean, you talk like just like the people of God looking weird, right? Instead of invading the city, they're walking around the city. We've waited 40 years for this moment. Here we are. And I can imagine the conversation. So we're walking around the city. So what's going to happen? Well, Joshua said that God said that if we walk around the city seven times, the, the walls are going to fall down. So what's our role? Our role is to walk around the city. What do we do on the seventh time? On the seventh time, uh, we scream. <laughs> and we get out some trumpets. We blow horns. Okay, so our military tactics is we're going to blow horns and scream. That's the way. You got it. So everybody else has weapons. They have, obviously, look at that. There's there's some watchmen on the wall up there. They're watching us. They watch us do this now. And they've probably got archers and spears. And our strategy is, is that we're going to walk around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, we scream. Yeah, you scream. All blow the trumpet. Go. I mean, the idea of it sounds insane. I mean, if you're Joshua, I wonder. I wonder what you're feeling when you're walking around the seventh time. You know, you, you get around, you start to wonder, what, what happens if the walls don't fall down? I mean, it's nice for us because we can look at history backwards and go, oh yeah, the, the walls fell, fantastic, God did a miracle. But when you are in the midst of the miracle, when you're in the midst of being obedient to God, you can't see it. And you're walking in faith, acting like a misfit, acting like a crazy man. God's strategic warfare, God's man, the plan, the guy who's leading the military invasion, is blowing a trumpet and screaming. Undoubtedly, you have the questions: What if this bombs, dude? What if this fails? And as you go in, as you have a mission to reach your campus, the days that you have on your school, undoubtedly. Whether it's leading prayer meetings, whether it's standing for purity, whatever the Lord's called you to do, standing for the poor, choosing to not give in to cheating in the second hour, whatever it is, you, you can guarantee you're going to have socially awkward moments where everybody else is doing one thing and you have to choose to stand for righteousness. Why? Because you, you possess a core conviction. Part of your privilege as a gospel messenger, as someone who's taking the good news of Jesus to your school, you get to live. You get to stand. Can I tell you this? These days, the two.
say this like a broken record, but I want you to know, I've been doing ministry for 15 years. My greatest, my, the days that I enjoy ministry the most is not when thousands of kids show up on our campus. The days where I know I felt God's pleasure was as a 16-year-old on, on a high school public campus standing for righteousness and being mocked at being mocked and yet feeling and knowing and sensing God's joy and delight over choices in high school. You have a chance right now. John, John McDonald cannot walk onto your campus and proclaim the gospel. Youth pastors, we cannot do it. The way that a generation will be reached is not through youth pastors. It's not by me. It's not by John. A generation will be reached by itself. A generation reaching a generation. The way that the, the, way that the schools in your area will be reached. The problem is, is that many of you don't care. I mean, really, if we get down to it. You don't really care about what happens to your friends. You just, you just kind of go, because in your head you think, well, they have free will, and they've got their own choices, and so I just, I, I, you know, just let me. The real weightiness, the real weightiness of the problem is that you, as, if you look at Paul, if you look at Jesus, they, Jesus calls us to go and to make disciples, to care. Part of the problem for us right here in this room we care about that we experience God or that we become a worshiper. But your heart does not break for your school. And until your heart breaks for your school, you will not be a light for your school. Because it's mostly about you. The secret to being a light for the gospel if you get on your face before God and have God break it up where you care. I mean where you care. You look at your friends and you look at their eternal destiny and it matters to you. We cry out. Paul talks in the scriptures here about how he aches for them like a, like a, like a woman in childbirth. He says he prays for them with tears. prays often with tears. You won't be
Paul says, I long for you with the affections of Christ, and this is my prayer. How does he care about them with the affections of Christ? He's been praying for them. He's been crying out to God for them, and that's where he fellows. I promise you this. If you will lead a prayer meeting each day on your campus, God will start to give you what he feels about those kids who do not know you. What he feels will go deep into your heart. This is the way forward. 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, we had a prayer meeting every day of our campus, and God started to give us His heart. And I remember by our senior year, the seniors weeping, weeping the last week of school. Not with tears of joy because they were finally graduating, but because their mission field was ending. And kids that they knew that they'd been crying out for, they wouldn't see again. And seniors weeping the week, the last week of school, rather than doing just the American, rather than having the American worldview that says, finally freedom, and a Christian worldview that said, this has been our greatest days to reach lost people. There's a kid named John, senior in my high school, who's a total god mocker, made fun of me all the time. We were, I mean, he was, he was the, he was a uh, bright, intelligent guy, you know, six foot three, cool guy, and he was, but he was an intellectual, and at that time he thought to himself, I don't know if he thought he was agnostic or atheist, I think he would have said he was an agnostic, but all throughout our senior year we would have these little conversations, and, and, and publicly, publicly made fun of Dave Perkins, it was like, it was like a game, it was like not fun, you know, you know, Dave was a little Christian jokester guy, you know, kind of thing, I just remembered, I, I remember so clear. Uh, six months ago, I, started, I randomly got an email from him. He found me on Facebook. He's been dialoguing a little bit, asking questions. And, and I'm trying, this is, I'm 34 years old. This is 17 years later. I got an email from him last week. David, gave my life to Jesus, and I'm entering into ministry full time.
kids will be, if your son will play varsity, you know, just all about you. And the secret to the Christian journey is being all about Jesus, which causes you to be all about the ones that he loves and that he cares about in the 70 years that you have on, on, on planet. All about others. And I submit to you the way that you will get there on your face in the place of prayer. It is the way forward. If you do not cry out for others, you will not care about others. But if you get, I mean, if you plank, put your nose in the rug and weep and pray and cry out to God, you'll watch God will slowly transform your heart. Some of you look at me like, this sounds crazy. It's because you've never done it. And I'm not trying to be kind of, you know, cocky and this morning. I'm just telling you, do it. Just get your face, you know, in the carpet. Just get some snot on the carpet of your campus. These days, these are glory days. These are the days where you get to be around people that don't know Jesus and they will thank you all the you, your, your generation is going to be different. Uh, generations that have gone before, they thought, well, I won't see these friends in high school ever again. You know? We'll graduate, we'll move on. The social networking generation, your generation, you will know the high school friends that you have for the rest of your life. Good chance you're going to be connected to them. Right now, I thought I would never see my friends again, but from high school. Now, I mean, I'm five and a half years from 40, and I'm communicating with kids who, when they have a spiritual question, they remember 1992. And I'm acting like they're a pastor. You could be the pastor of these people on your campus for the rest of your days if you will be a burden and shining if you will embrace being awkward and not be just like everyone else. You have, you have just a few days with these kids. I don't know Jesus. I'm talking about the worst of the worst. I'm not talking about the ones who are sweet to you and think it's nice that you follow Jesus. I'm talking about the ones that mock it. I'm talking about the ones that are a little bit awkward. I'm talking about the ones that even boldly make fun of. These are glorious moments. And I want to encourage you to embrace the awkwardness Guys, what are, you, what are you doing? Well, we're going here to the English teacher's classroom every morning. What for? Is it like English club? And we're crying out to God. God, which God? Yahweh. One created the heaven there. Why? Because we believe that God hears and acts on behalf of those who pray. Really? Yeah. You're weird. Thank you. Bless you. <laughs> We pray for healing. Someone on the football team, healing someone at your school, it's awkward. It just straight up is. You know that. You've been there. I, I was always all right with the prayer meetings. And then when people would like do the laying hands on people in the hallways, I always felt like, well, that's the kind of step too far. Go lay your hands on your own friends, but not mine. You know? 
months and months turned into years, and years turned into decades. Don't be rich, that. Don't be How were you able to choose to live differently? I had a core conviction. That's what you now inside. I had a core conviction. And I refuse to live like everybody else. The parade of history where everybody acts the same way, does the same thing, the same trends, doesn't end.
start the prayer meeting. Or now, there might be a Bible club that you, you know, end early for, but you are going to lead a prayer meeting every day, crying out for your campus for the rest of this year. might take you a couple few weeks to get started, but you, you are going to be, you're going to stand in the place of prayer. I promise you, if you do that, God will give you his heart for your school. But let's take a few moments. Let's go into a prayer time. Awkward on that.